0: Change makers, The Hidden Hope, The Difference in the World, Hope in Humanity. Those are all the names that I was debating on calling this podcast. I went through a very long and tedious process of trying to pick out the best name to represent the podcast as a whole. And I ended up settling with the name Action Heroes. Because every single guest that I have on here is a hero, creating action and demanding change to make a difference in our world. Hello everyone, this is Carolina Quadros and welcome to the very first episode of Action Heroes. Today we're going to be focusing on the female CEO of Impact Experience, a company that aids marginalized communities through the power of investment. Back in the very beginning of 2021, my friend and I had this conversation and I was infuriated after it because I came to the realization that I as an individual did not have the power or the position to make an impact and there were so many issues that were happening that were infuriating me at that time in that exact conversation i was talking about how the george floyd murder had lost publicity and therefore the media would move on to a different trend issues were once again neglected and that change felt next to impossible i actually wrote something in my notes app and i dug it back up to read it to you all on january 10th 2021 I wrote i feel like no matter how many protests i attend or how much i advocate for social changes nothing changes i feel powerless i'm terrified because the people who do have the power abuse it it feels like the ones who can make a difference couldn't care less about the greater good almost a year has passed since i wrote that and i can look back and say that my statement was wrong i was proven wrong i've learned and i've met people who have demonstrated to me that there are individuals who care about the greater good and who have the power to make change and do make change to better our humanity, like our guest, Jenna Nicholas. So I have Jenna with me right now. Hi, Jenna. Hi. So I wanted to start off by informing all the listeners about the person behind The Voice. So would you like to give us a brief background about yourself? Sure, I'd be happy to. It's uh,
1: it's wonderful to, to be here today. So I'm uh, I'm Jenna Nicholas. I, I grew up in London. I moved to the Bay Area about 13 years ago to um, do my undergrad at, at Stanford and studied international relations and uh, was really interested in China. And so learned Mandarin and spent um, some time in China studying social entrepreneurship and philanthropy and social responsible investing there. And that led to working... With some investors and was leading delegations of U.S. investors to China and Chinese investors to the U.S., all focused around social responsible investing, and so started to invest into businesses in areas such as education, technology, financial inclusion, renewable energy, um, and then helped to build a coalition of foundations that were divesting from fossil fuels and investing in new economy solutions and just kept on seeing how disconnected so many of the funders and companies that we were working with were from the communities in which they were looking at investing in, and particularly the lack of a focus around diversity, equity, and inclusion as part of their investment decision-making processes. And so about seven years ago, co-founded Impacts Experience, really with the goal of building bridges between investors, entrepreneurs, and communities that have been overlooked and underestimated so that's been a big part of the focus of the work over the last seven years and about two years ago I started working with a company called One Planet Group where I do a number of things but one of the things that I do is invest into early stage businesses that are all looking at contributing towards the the betterment of the world so that's a little bit about me.
0: Well thank you so what I'm getting at here is you're using investment to kind of help with inequality within the investment community if that's correct?
1: Yes, exactly. And the people that have been overlooked and underestimated, so women and people of colour, um, receive greater access to capital. So when we look at investments currently, it's less than 2% of investments are invested into women and, and people of colour. And so a big part of the focus of my work is looking at what are different mechanisms for unlocking more capital um, into women and people of color run run businesses.
0: Oh my God, that's like really shocking, but it feels like an important issue to focus on. And how do you feel that that area has like changed as you've, because you've been in this field for a while now, from what it sounds like. Have you seen any change, any growth in terms of the inequality of investment? Well, yeah, I
1: mean, particularly, um, you know, over the last 10 years, I've seen more and more investors that are looking to invest with a lens around social and environmental responsibility. And so in the past, it was more of a niche focus, but now just seeing more and more investors because they're getting a demand from their clients for investing in a way that is more socially and environmentally responsible, um, just a yeah, big increase in interest. So that's been really exciting um, just to see that, that transition uh, kind of over the past 10 years.
0: Wow. And why is it so important to create the changes in investment? How does it impact the people directly?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're so much of, when we think about investments, they're going into the big systems that really operate all the world. So whether it's education systems, healthcare systems. um, And so unless we're looking at where that capital is allocated, then um, the impact that it will have on really everything that we Rely on for our survival on a day-to-day basis, um, you know, is minimised as a result. And so, through us increasing more diversity within financial systems, uh, we have the opportunity to be able to influence really every system, um, because capital uh, and kind sort of that capital decision-making process really influences every every system.
0: And why do you think people are so held back from investing in these really diverse groups or, as you said, groups of, with women or groups of color? What do you think is holding them back?
1: I think so much of it is bias. So um, a big part of our work, we have a, a research partnership with Stanford that's all focused on kind of implicit bias and investing and really looks at this question of, you know, why is there such capital that's invested into Women and, and people of color uh, run companies, and you know, so often people are investing into people that are part of their friendship groups or who look like them. And so, when people don't have those opportunities to be able to kind of build those relationships, um, then it becomes really difficult because people, I like, don't, we often use the excuse of like, oh, well, I don't know any businesses that I kind of run by women and people of color, and so. These opportunities to really build bridges between investors and entrepreneurs is uh, you know, such a big part of our work for, for exactly this reason.
0: That's crazy to hear. And how do you think that attitude has changed within the investment community towards businesses of color, businesses of women as the times have gone on? Oh,
1: definitely. I mean, certainly over the last couple of years, I think after... Uh, George Floyd's murder, and just the rise in awareness amongst uh, organizations around so many of these issues. Um, there definitely has been an increase in interest from investors in looking at uh, what are ways of broadening the types of companies that are being invested in, and how do we sort of not be held back by our kind of preconceived notions? Because a big part of the argument is actually there's money that's being left on the table because of the role that these biases have in influencing our investments. So Mm -hmm. the ability to actually have a more diverse portfolio, but there's actually a financial argument for that, uh, you know, as well as a, a sort of an
0: ethical argument. There's almost been like, especially after George Floyd, there was almost like a trend that occurred where a lot of the community was supporting black businesses in different ways. And many people state that that was a trend that kind of died off once all the attention got moved to a different direction. And how do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely a concern is how to kind of maintain that momentum and engagement. So it wasn't just a, oh, that was the issue of 2020. And like now what do we focus on? But Mm -hmm. actually, you know, how to sustain that over time, and I think a big part of it, and it's the sort of the power of people and people's voice, is to hold so many of these organizations that you know made commitments around Black Lives Matter and I have you um, to account so that it isn't just something that starts and ends in words in terms of these commitments, but it actually shifts uh, in terms of decision making power that organizations have in terms of uh, where assets are being allocated. So it's definitely something that. It needs ongoing attention to make sure that it's sustained over time.
0: And do you feel that this has impacted you in any way towards your personal life? Have you had any experience with everything that you've learned through your job has impacted you personally?
1: Yeah, no, very much so. I mean, I think that it's a it's a really powerful one to realize that, you know, we all have biases and that this isn't just something that's a um, kind of generic out there issue but actually to and kind of really look within our own selves and look at you know how do biases influence um you know even at a subconscious level how we're making decisions and how we're interacting with people so I think it's definitely um engaging in this work has helped me to be more reflective myself and thinking about you know who do I spend time with and how do I ensure that I'm interacting with, in, with people in a way that is inclusive and I'm part of the Baha'i faith and there's a lot of emphasis in the Baha'i faith around kind of unity and diversity and so from a young age the idea of engaging with people from kind of diverse backgrounds and creating inclusive and equitable spaces has really resonated but I think that that's just been even more reinforced um, kind of over the last few years.
0: That's really inspiring. And how do you see the future of this? Do you think there's a way to overcome bias?
1: Definitely. And I think that um, as more and more people become aware of their own biases and how influence their decision making and as organizations create more space for people to be reflective about these issues. So it becomes less of a, oh, that's somebody else's problem, but actually it's something that we all have a individual and collective responsibility behind um, and I think we'll see you know more and more um, work being done in the space such that it's normalized and rather than an exception to the rule it sort of becomes the standard through which organizations operate and that I think it's so much easier to engage around these topics and to build it you know, into the foundation of a company from the beginning and so that's what makes me really interested in investing into early stage businesses is the ability to really influence how companies think about and engage in these topics sort of right from the beginning um, of those companies.
0: Wow, that's really inspiring. And I'm really looking forward to that day. I hope it's soon. Me too. Me too. <laughs> and with that stellar interview, I bring this episode to a close. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in and listening. I hope this inspired someone, and I'll see you all in episode two.